this morning is going to be a topical sermon. So we'll be stepping away from the book of Genesis. Lord willing, we'll get back to that next week. I'll be starting with 1 Corinthians 15. That will be in plenty of passages. So let me pray, and then we'll get into God's Word. Lord, we do worship you. We thank you that you sacrificed yourself as a Lamb of God for us to set us free from eternal death and bondage to sin. And Lord, now as we come to your word, we pray that your spirit would use your word to convict us and to grow us, Lord. We pray that you would draw with us this morning as we draw with you in your word. We give you the glory and we give thanks. Amen. Have you ever wanted to do something that's advanced? Have you ever challenged yourself to do something that is advanced? Believe it or not, I used to be in a music band, which is, I know, hard for you to believe. My children can't believe it, but I actually used to lead worship. I know that must strike you as being surprised. God can do great things. But when I led worship, this was in India, I had to have Lisa, when she did the intro, she'd be playing piano, she would have to pause and look at me. And then I knew then I was to start the song. I I was to start to lead the worship music. But I'm definitely not a worship leader in terms of music. That's not my calling. But I can do it if I have to. But it was good to be challenge that way, to to do something that is beyond you, is good. So recently I thought that it would be good to challenge my family and that we should go on a hike. So I kept hearing about Poo Poo Ridge. There's actually a ridge called Poo Poo Ridge. So I, I heard about it from a few of you, and I used to hike a lot about 30 years ago. And as I read online and looked at a few videos, it said Siri, it said moderate to heavy. So I didn't tell my family the heavy part. I just said it's moderate. It's just two miles, basically like 1.8. It's just 1.8 miles. It's not that difficult. Well, it was actually basically two miles up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> two miles up. So we start hiking and I'm thinking to myself, this is you know, we, we want to stretch ourselves. We, we want to do something advanced. Kids, you, you stay with me. I've hiked all my life. Okay? So I'll lead. I'll, I'll go in front. Then it can be the kids and Lisa. So pretty soon, I, I can't even see the kids. You know, the kids are like gazelles. I, I have all I see is Ellie's red sweatshirt and Thomas's blue shirt. And they're just somewhere up there. I, I can, well, I'm glad they're 12. Now they can fend off, you know, for themselves. So we're hiking up. I said, one, we asked one girl, how long did it take? And she said, it, it took two hours. And I told my family, no, we can probably do it like in 40 minutes. Come on, let's go. So we start going up there and I'm, okay. Lisa, do, do you want to stop? Lisa, do you want to turn around and go back? No, no, let, let's keep going. Are you sure? Yes, let's keep going. Okay. So we keep going. You know, where are the kids? I, I thought that, 
I'd have to wait for my family. My kids end up waiting for me. You know, they're just, I have no idea where they are. They're just going, going, going. So it's like the third or fourth time, maybe the fifth time, I said, Lisa, are you tired yet? Do you want to turn around? Do you want to go back? And there was this look on her face, like, if you ask me that one more time, that's it. I'm going to kick you down the mountain. She didn't say that, but that was the look in her in her eyes. And she went all the way up to the very tip, tip, tippy top. She went up to the, the top level, all the way up. There were these men that we met. We'd be hiking, and we'd pass these men, and then they would pass us, and then we'd pass them, and then they never made it to the top. Lisa made it to the top of Poo Poo Ridge. She didn't go paragliding down. But she did make it to the top. And so I was proud of her to see that we can challenge ourselves and press ourselves and do something which is inspiring and awesome. And there are many things in life that are that way that we think are really difficult. But if we press ourselves, we can actually do them. And one of that is, one of those areas is in evangelism. Sometimes you may think, I can't do that because I'm not an extrovert person. Really, you might think, I, I'm not a people person, so I can't really do evangelism. It's beyond me. It, it's more advanced than, than I am. And so this morning, I thought that we could look at the topic of, in quotes, I didn't put it in quotes, but advanced evangelism. Because there are times when two things, really. We can think, you know, that's not really my giftedness. And the people that are do that, they're extroverts, and and they're people persons. Well, I'm not an extrovert, and I'm not a, a people person. I'm not. But if you open your mouth, then God can use you to evangelize. If you can hand a person a little sheet of paper like this, Oh, it's summer. Like this, a track, you can evangelize. So that's one idea with advanced evangelism. The other idea is the day and age in which we live, we live in a type of advanced wickedness. Right? This past month was what month? Pride month. So the world can be prideful about rebellion to God, prideful about homosexuality, why don't we have a pride, or think of it this way, we could have a Thanksgiving for a month. We have gay pride for a month. We have Thanksgiving for how long? One day. Even in terms of our, our, our freedom as a nation, July 4th, one day. Pride month? <laughs> Four weeks. What does scripture say? God gives grace to who? The humble. When we're prideful, God opposes us. So having a month of pride is just a demonstration of advanced wickedness toward God. And so that calls for what? How how do we respond to that? Shutting our doors, going inside? No, the response is, you know what, as as the world gets more and more wicked, then we need to get more loving, but even in a, an appropriate sense, more bold in our evangelism. 
as the world continues to become more advanced and it's sin, we don't retreat, we do what? We stand our ground and we press forward in love and in kindness, but also with the truth and in the gospel. So the times we live in call for advanced evangelism in that sense. One sense, go beyond yourself. Everybody here can evangelize. If you know Jesus, you can evangelize. You can tell somebody about how Jesus has saved you. The other idea of, of advanced evangelism is because the world is becoming more and more seemingly wicked, then we respond to that not by just circling the, the wagons and hiding within this ring of protection, but rather in love and in kindness, but with truth and boldness, talking to people about Christ. And so this advanced evangelism has at least four actions. At least four actions. And through all these four actions, always remember 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30, but by his doing you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. So as we go through these four actions, always remember God saves. Paul said, in order that I might win some in 1 Corinthians 9, but that was always within the context of God does the salvation. God can use us as an instrument of salvation, but salvation itself is Jesus Christ. He saves. We don't save. So then, with that in mind, what are these four actions? And this is to encourage you for your whole life, but even for tomorrow. If you haven't been to the 4th of July uh, gospel outreach and still come, come tomorrow and just be part of that. And all, if you want to, all you have to do is hand out a little thing of water. And then put, put a track with that. Or if you want to, you can stand outside the little booth we have and pass out some tracks. Strike up a, a conversation. One year I went booth to booth to booth to booth to booth to booth and just tried to share the gospel with, with each booth. I went to the booth that has the Democrats uh, banner up over there. I, I went to them especially and told them, you know, Jesus loves you. I'm a pastor here. So I wanted to talk to you about Christ. You know, and of course, all of them are saved. All, all of them know the Lord, they said. You don't have to do that, but there are many different ways and means that you could evangelize, yes, throughout your whole life, but even tomorrow. Well, one booth I went to, there was a lady there, very kind, and she was a, an astrologist and a sorceress, she told me. So how do you respond when somebody says, I'm a sorceress? We'll talk about that later, later in this sermon. But there's many opportunities. Again, you can just go pass out water and, and pray. If you want to. Prayer is powerful. God will use your prayers. Okay. So these four actions. Number one, learn the gospel. Advanced evangelism means you have an understanding of the gospel. I have been with people, nobody here, where I've done evangelism and we went in a laundromat. And that person was going first, my partner, and they told this other person in the laundromat that we were witnessing to, 
do the will of the Lord to be saved. And that's all they said. Do the will of the Lord to be saved. Is that the gospel? They couldn't share the gospel because they had never learned the gospel. They could not communicate the gospel because they had never really truly been educated on the gospel. So you have to learn the gospel first. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 states, For I delivered to you as of first importance, but I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. That's the gospel. Romans 4.25 is also very clear, and it's very brief. He, that is Jesus, who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. Both these verses capsulize what the gospel is. So briefly, let's clarify what the gospel is not, and then we'll define very carefully what it is. Based upon those verses, we can say this. The the gospel is not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, that might seem silly to you, but as elders, we've interviewed people for baptism or for church membership, and we've said, what is the gospel? And they have said, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So, So you know, there's a difference between the gospels and the gospel. The gospels are about the gospel. The gospels plural, as Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The first four books of the New Testament. But the gospel as not itself means good news. It's the good news about Jesus. Second, talking about what the gospel is or is not. The gospel is not believe in God. I've talked to seminary students who were talking about their evangelism in India, and they talked about how they were helping the Hindus to believe in God. Hindus believe in God. Some Hindus may even believe in one God. Muslims, of course, believe in one God. Sikhs believe in one God. Buddhists oftentimes believe in a type of one God. The whole universe is God. (laughs) And you're God, but there's one God. The gospel is not that God exists. That's demons believe that there's one God. Are they going to heaven? No. That's not the gospel. It's good and it's right and necessary for a person to believe in God to go to heaven. But that's not the good news. In a sense, if you're unsaved and you believe in God, that's going to be bad news for you in the end because you're more accountable. The good news is not love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. That, that's not the good news. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 22. And I bring this up because many times I have heard people evangelize. And they even might share that Jesus died on the cross for sin and he rose again. And if you love Jesus with all of your heart, you can be saved. Have you ever loved Jesus consistently with all of your heart? Sadly, I don't think anybody in this room has. Not yet. 
Not every single day, 100%. Jesus is engaged in Matthew 22, verse 34, with the Pharisees and Sadducees, dialoguing, answering their questions, and then asking them questions. In verse 35, one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, testing Jesus, testing the Son of God, testing the judge of the universe, testing the king. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, with all your soul and all your mind. This is the great and foremost. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. So the law can be summed up by love God with all that you are and then love your neighbor like you love yourself. But it's not the means of salvation because Scripture says that there is no one who is righteous. There is no one who is good. We have all together turned aside. We can't keep the law. And so that's why we need a Savior. We can't love God with all that we are. And I've met many people in America, many people all over the world. I've met many people in California, here, everywhere, that will say, I I love God, but they're not even saved. And then I'll share with them, you can't love God with all that you are good enough to get into heaven because the Bible says we're sinners, and here's how we sin. So that's not the gospel. The the gospel is not even Jesus is Lord. I believe I believe it's N.T. Wright who says that the gospel is not so much that Jesus atoned for sin, but rather the good news is that Jesus is Lord. Actually, the good news is not that Jesus is Lord. Again, and in and, and one sense, that could be bad news. The fact that Jesus is Lord and King, like Psalm 2, talks about the kingship of Jesus, and it says, kiss the king, right? Psalm 2 is a remarkable psalm. Psalm 2 talks about Jesus and that he's the king of, of the world. Then it says in verse 10, Now therefore, king, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. I'm in Psalm 2. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son that he not become angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all those who take refuge in him. Good news is that Jesus is Lord in the sense of the book of Ephesians, that he conquered sin and death and Satan and hell. In that sense, yes. But you could believe that Jesus is the king, and that is not necessarily going to save you. The demons, again, do they believe, do they have a head knowledge that Jesus is Lord? When the demons saw Jesus, what did they say to him? Behold, the Holy One of God! They knew who he was. That didn't get them into heaven. Romans 10, verse 9, if you believe in your heart that Jesus rose from the dead, and if you confess him as Lord, then you'll be saved. There is a core gospel truth that must be communicated in other words. Yes, Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. And we sing and we praise Christ for that. Because he's Lord, because he is king, therefore it is 
utterly significant of what he did. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross and rose again, satisfying that just wrath of God so that all sinners that take refuge in him shall be forgiven and saved. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Jesus Christ died on the cross for sinners and rose again from the dead, satisfying the just wrath of God for all sinners who repent and trust him alone. That's the good news. Romans 4.25 He was delivered over for our transgression and was raised because of our justification to make us right with God. The good news is that God became a man, lived a perfectly righteous life, died on the cross, atoning for the sin of of all who would believe and trust him and rose again, verifying that his payment on the cross was satisfactory to God. And then, after a resurrection, he ascended into heaven and sits down at the right hand of God on high. And when you trust him, the Bible says in Romans 3.19, Repent, therefore, that your sins may be wiped away. So you turn from self, and you trust not in your good works, you trust in the work and in the person of Jesus Christ alone. That's the gospel. So if you really want to do advanced evangelism, just know the gospel. Learn the gospel. Educate yourself on the gospel. Second, in order to have advanced evangelism, number two, Memorize a gospel outline. Now, the Bible doesn't say this. I, I can't turn to a passage where it says, memorize a, an outline. But I would put this before you. If you look at the book of Romans, the book of Romans is a type of a track. The, the Puritans used to pass out tracks, but their tracks were about 50 pages long. <laughs> It's true for that. Seriously. They, they were long tracks. The track I have up here is, you know, brief, short. Maybe it's, I don't know, one, two, three, four. Maybe five or six pages, but small pages. Well, the Puritans handing out almost a book as a track is like the, the book of Romans. And the book of Romans has a, a very clear, basic outline. Chapters one to three 20, you could say, is sin. Romans chapter 1 to 320 is sin. 321, all the way really to the end of chapter 8, where it talks about that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's all about salvation. 1 to 320 is sin. 321 to the end of Romans 8 is salvation. And there are many books which talk about this outline, and you can divide it even further. But what I'm showing you is that there are outlines and different books of the Bible that are clear in terms of the content. And Romans has one. Uh, Romans 9 through 11 is about sovereignty, the sovereignty of God. Because Romans chapter 8 ends with, what can separate us from the love of God? Well, what happened to Israel? Well, then God wants to talk about that, to answer that question. And so he talks about the sovereignty of God in chapters 9 through 11. 
at the end of chapter 11, that leads Paul into this doxology and to this exaltation of all that God is. And then service, 12 through 16, is about service, serving God. So you have sin, salvation, sovereignty. Once those things are understood, then service, 12 through 16 of Romans. The reason why I bring that up is because it, that is a, an example that having an outline is helpful. Even having that basic outline of Romans now might help you. When you're reading through the book of Romans, oh, this section is about sin. I understand what the Spirit of God is doing here. Oh, God's talking about sovereignty here. Okay, that, that's helpful. It, you know, there, there's been different churches I've been at before, mainly in India, where I'd go to a church and I'd say, Tom, can you please teach the book of Romans? I'd, I'd already preached twice and already had lunch. And I said, you know, your train doesn't leave until eight tonight, so we still have you for about six more hours. Can you teach the book of Romans? You know, I didn't really bring my notes. You went to seminary, teach the book of Romans to us. Yes, sir. <laughs> you know, what do you do? And so, well, you, you remember an outline. Okay, yeah. And so you then you start sin, salvation, sovereignty of service. So you start teaching. <laughs> and then pretty soon, like four hours have gone, and you're like, where'd that time go? And it wasn't that you were like, certainly it wasn't like, I'm this fantastic teacher sent from God. You have some knowledge, and there is a Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit, with the God's word that you know, the sword of spirit, can seize that moment and use you at that specific time to do something for his kingdom. But most of the time, it's normal that you have to have some content in you. Right? You have to have God's word in you. You have to have educated yourself in the gospel. And then if you can have some clarity, if you can have some type of outline in your head, then the Lord can use that in a, in a great way. Now here are some examples. Uh, this is a John Piper track, Quest for Joy. I don't know if you've seen it. This, my son said, Dad, you spilled coffee on here. I did. This is an old gospel track that I, I keep on my desk. And it's a certain way that he shares the gospel that I think is pretty good. There's the Grace Community Church stop tracks. Those also are pretty good. Uh, there's the Ray Comfort. Is it the way of the lamb? Sometimes I say way of the master. Yes. Those are also very helpful. Years ago, how old was I? When I was 18, so maybe 600 years ago, when I was 18 in Orlando, Florida, and I've shared this before, it was with evangelism explosion. I had gospel evangelism training, and it was with James D. Kennedy's evangelism explosion. Have you guys ever heard of that? Yeah, it was pretty good. Yes, it was pretty good because it would give the gospel, it would give all the verses, in-depth definition, and then kind of give what if, what if this person asks this question, then you say this, and here's how you do it, and here's some lead-in dialogue, and it, it was really in-depth. But all of a sudden, when I was taking the course, we got a new teacher named Stu Tully, and it changed to discipleship evangelism, and then all of a sudden it talked about that Jesus is Lord and Lordship. And that it was 
they brought in repentance. James D. Kennedy would talk about receiving Christ, which is not bad. It's not bad for people to receive Christ. Scripture talks about Colossians 2.6. Since you have received Jesus as Lord, keep walking in him. So using the word receive is not bad, but I was thinking when I was taking this course, we're not calling people to repentance. We're calling them to receive Christ, which is not bad, but people must be, I must be, confronted with our sin so we can see the need to turn from it and trust Jesus alone. So this guy named Stu Tully came in and he revamped EE. EE is not bad. I thought it was good, but DE was even better. And then after that, I went across the country from Florida to California. I went to Grace Community Church. And then I realized, oh, here they have the discipleship evangelism. This is where this course started from, from John MacArthur's church. (laughs) So then I took the course there. And then there's been so many. There's been the, is it the salt salt shakers? Have you ever... There, there's so many different gospel evangelism things that you can take in methods. All kinds of them. All kinds of outlines. And the Reformed circles, whatever you do, don't share the four spiritual laws. Okay? If you're with Crusade, or Campus Crusade for Christ, now it's crew, crew. They have the four spiritual laws. And I, I didn't know this until I was at Grace Community Church. Don't share the four spiritual laws. At least if somebody's reformed there, because you're getting in trouble. Because the four spiritual laws are basically, uh, if I remember, God loves you. He has a wonderful plan for your life. Christ died for you. Receive him. Now, that's not necessarily bad or evil, but it's not the entire truth. <laughs> it says too much and too little at the same time, right? It's not the best picture of the gospel. So what I'm saying is that we need to memorize the gospel outline. There are ones that are really helpful, and there are ones that may be a, a little bit confusing. Like the four spiritual laws are not bad. Like if that was the only track a person ha- has, have people come to Christ through the four spiritual laws? Of course. But there are some better tracks than others. And so find some tracks that are very clear and memorize the outline they have in that track. And maybe you're too scared to to open your mouth to share Jesus. I I understand. I I do. I've been to seminary. I was a missionary to India. There's been times with a neighbor, with a relative, and Lisa's family, with my father, that I know in the providence of God, I believe God is absolutely sovereign. As an unbeliever, he says something, perfect opportunity, and my heart is, I don't want to, I don't want to. He might say no. And you have to press through that. But if you can't, at that moment, talk, you can always say, well, here's a track. Would you be willing to read this? It's not 50 pages long like the Puritan tracks. It's just a page long or a few pages long. And I think it might help you. There's a friend of mine and of Lisa's that he was working for Hollywood. And he was in line, I think in Westwood. And Rob Provost, missionary to Albania, 
former mission in Albania, walked up to him and gave him a track to this friend of Lisa's and mine that used to work in Hollywood. This friend read the track, ended up coming to Christ and being saved. Lisa and I, we met on a mission trip to Russia. And in the middle of Russia, working as a tent maker missionary, was a man that read the track. He used to work in Hollywood. Rob Provost handed him a track, just kept on going. This man got saved and went to Russia before Lisa and I went to Russia and got a job there and was serving in a church evangelizing. All because Rob Provost went, this is for you. That's amazing. Can you do that? Can you just say, here. You know, I've one time there are just thousands and I'm not exaggerating. There are thousands and thousands of Hindu pilgrims on a march, and we had all these gospel tracks in Hindi and Marathi. We would hand them out. Some would rip them up. Some would spit on them. Some would spit on you. But they got the gospel. They got that. There were thousands and thousands for hours. We stood there just passing out these tracks. You think some came to Christ? I, I don't know about that group, but I know for a fact Hindus have come to Christ because they've read a gospel track. But there are times when you don't have the track. But if you can have a an outline in your head, then you can share from that outline. Sometimes we don't share the gospel because what if I'm unclear? What do I say? How do I say it? But if you have an outline, that gives you some courage. That gives you some confidence. Not, I'm a great speaker, but confidence that you can share the gospel accurately and clearly. Learn the gospel, and then learn a simple outline. Use a track. Okay. So advanced evangelism has a plan. Advanced evangelism knows the gospel. Advanced evangelism has a plan. You, you know what you're going to say ahead of time because you've memorized a small gospel outline, right? We did the book of Romans with four words, right? 16 chapters, we did it in four words. Number three, don't worry about an outline. So number two is memorize a gospel outline. Number three is don't worry about an outline. Number two is memorize a gospel outline. Take time, take effort, memorize it. And then number three is forget about the outline. Okay? You understand? Memorize the outline. Get it in your head. And then don't worry about it. What are we saying? Use it as a guide, but don't be enslaved to it. Use it as a guide, but don't be enslaved to it. Don't be shackled to it. The outline is good, but the outline is not the gospel itself. Right? The content of the outline is the gospel. Memorize a gospel outline. Like, you, you, you could know the four words from the book of Romans. Sin, salvation, sovereignty, service. That's not the gospel. <laughs> That's not the gospel. Romans 4.25 is the gospel. But Christ was delivered up for our transgression and rose again for our justification. Romans 6.23, for the wage of sin is eternal death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
Am I being clear? Yes, memorize an outline. Understand the contents of the gospel, boil it down to an outline. But we must be careful that, by God's grace, when we're sharing the gospel with somebody, that we're not... Because I've done this. Just give me five minutes of your time. Number one, sin. You are a sinner. And then I think through some verses. Number two, Christ died. Are you paying attention? Number... I don't want you to die and go to hell right now. You could die on your way home tonight. And and by that time, the person's, you know, walked off. You know, You're going to go to hell! Come back! And it could be, he just got, you know, I, I was taking too long. I was being very controlling. So what I'm saying is, memorize an outline, but in the moment, don't necessarily depend upon that outline. Okay? For example, and this goes to the second point underneath, don't worry about the outline. Jesus, as we've said before, Jesus used many approaches when he shared the gospel, when he shared the truth. When Jesus was, in John 4, when he was talking to the lady at the well, he didn't say, you whitewashed sepulcher. You're making people twice the sons of hell, woman. He didn't talk like that to her. And she was basically a prostitute. He was a very immoral person. And he he was truthful. He said, you've had five husbands. Then he talked about worship. So it wasn't that Jesus didn't talk about people's sin. He did. But with every person... He would seek, I should say, not just seek, he did. He spoke to them in a way that was suited for them. When he's talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he told Nicodemus that he had to be born again. And when he says, like in John 3, 3, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus is not saying that with a imperatival sense. He's not saying, Nicodemus, you must born yourself again, he's saying you have to be, something has to happen to you whereby you're born again. And that's why in verse 5 of John 3, he talks about the Spirit of God. What I'm pointing out is that Jesus spoke different ways to different people in different circumstances because different people need to hear different things because of the different circumstances they're in. Memorize an outline, but everybody's going to be different. And so don't be held captive by that track or by that outline. It is a, and some, if not many of you know it, that it's a wonderful thing when you begin to share the gospel. And all of a sudden these verses come to your mind that you haven't thought about for a long time. And there's something that's happening. That person is being convicted or or comforted and the Spirit of God is moving in you because of the word that you know and God is ministering through that word and it's not necessarily because of an outline. Jesus, when he was talking to the Pharisees, talked to them very differently than he talked to the woman at the well or even Nicodemus. When Jesus shared with the rich young ruler, he talked to him differently than he talked to the children. Matthew 11, Jesus says, you know, those that are weary and heavy laden, come to me, and I'll not put a big load upon you. But to others, he said, pick up the cross and follow me. What? 
Those are almost two different things. Because different people need to hear the same gospel, but it needs to be applied to that person and that situation. God is and, and his providence, he's brought that person to you. You're in a certain situation. They're in a certain situation. God doesn't make mistakes. God is doing something with you and your situation and that person's life and what you know about the gospel with that person. God wants to use you in a very specific way. And it may be founded upon that outline, but by God's grace, you could begin to apply the gospel as God gives you discernment with that person. And this is, quote, advanced evangelism. That's why I say, if you have your notes, be sensitive to the Spirit of God and the situation. That is, I'm sure you have, I've evangelized before where, believe it or not, somebody said, I, I, I'm not a sinner. Have you ever that happened? I've had people tell me, I, I'm not really a sinner. My husband is. But I'm not a sinner. Well, they need to hear about the law of God, right? Maybe share with them from Sermon on the Mount or some other places. I've had people say, though, that I'm the worst sinner on earth. I'm a wicked person. God would never, ever let me into heaven or or look at me. I, if I don't get help, I'm going to kill myself. I, I can't take this. Well, how do you share the gospel with them? Do you say, you're a sinner, you're going to hell. You pull that back and you talk about, you know, the Bible says, in him there's redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. All your sins can be forgiven. Can all those that are part of the homosexual pride month, can they be forgiven? Yes. Can somebody that commits abortion, 10 abortions, be forgiven? Yes. Can a doctor that has committed thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of abortions, can they be forgiven? Yes. God can take that sin and throw it into the depths of the ocean. And Micah says he can trot upon it. So what I'm saying is that there are some situations where, know the outline, but where you pause and you may spend all of your time just talking about the forgiveness that's in Christ for that person's sin, and then that person has to leave. And there can be almost this temptation, at least for me, I I didn't get to close the deal. I I, I didn't get to call that person to repentance. They didn't get saved. Well, you just spent, you know, maybe 10 minutes talking about the glorious grace of God in Christ. Do you think God's going to use that? Yes. So we want to be clear with the gospel. So we have to know it. And that line is helpful with that. But there are times in a certain situation where don't be glued to that outline. That's a foundation for you to do your work on, right? You know the essentials. Trust God and then go for it. There's a book I've forgotten the title, but it's by a guy named Ellsworth, Roger Ellsworth. And it's about speaking and, and preaching without notes. How do you do that? And so he has a law that's called 40-40-20. 
Now, I hope that adds up to 100. <laughs> 40, 40, 20, yes. I think one time I went 40, 20, 20, and everybody was like, what? <laughs> 40, 40, 20. Okay, 40% saturation, 40% organization, 20% memorization. So you saturate your mind with the gospel. You know, read all that you can on it, study it, worship God over it, thank him for it. And then have a good organization, a, a, a good outline. It's, it's very helpful when you're speaking or preaching or teaching. You really know the subject matter, and then you have a good, a good outline. But if you're older like me, memorization might not always be there. You don't have to memorize every sentence, every word. I'm not now. I, I don't practice having to memorize every, every single sentence that I'm going to say. There's a free-flowing aspect to speaking and preaching and sharing that's based upon what you know. Just like if you're on the phone talking to somebody, you, you don't write out, I don't think, what you're going to say when you're on the phone. Hang on, uh, Lisa, l- let me write this out first, and then after I write it out, I'll, I'll talk to you about it. Or tonight, if Lisa and I have a discussion about about the future, about our household future. I don't write out a paper and read it word for word. I might have a structure of some things I want to talk about. You know, like, okay, here's four things. But I don't have out each word. But can I have a good conversation with her? Yes. In a similar way with public speaking or one-on-one speaking, if I know the content, if I've gone over it, and I have a, a basic outline, then I can talk to somebody about Jesus. And this is advanced evangelism. So advanced evangelism knows the gospel. Advanced evangelism has a plan. But advanced evangelism is ready to go off the plan. (laughs) You have to at times in life. Number four. And then we'll end with this one. Prioritize the word. Prioritize the word. First Peter... 23 to 25 for you 1st Peter chapter 1 verses 23 to 25 for you've been born again not of seed which is perishable but imperishable that is through the living and enduring word of God for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of the grass the grass withers and the flower falls off but the word of God endures forever and this is the word which was preached to you This word which is preached to these churches that Peter was writing to, it was that word which caused them to be born again. That's what it says in verse 23. The living and enduring word of God. The the Bible is the sword of the Spirit. So you want to get the word out there. You want to share the word. That's where power comes from. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes through hearing, hearing the word of Christ. That word, which is about Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Messiah, the way, the truth, and the life, share about him from the word. Even quote verses. Now, you don't have to necessarily give all the references. You can. But quote 
part of the verse at least. Get the word out there. It is the sword of the Spirit, right? Hebrews 4.12. It is the living and enduring, that active word of God, which can divide the soul and the spirit. Share that word with the person. Now, there's two basic ways that we can do this, and this is coming from a series that we did many years ago called uh, Gone Fishing or Going Fishing. You can listen to that series or read Ray Pratt's book on captivating the thoughts, I think. But underneath Prioritize the Word, let me give you two further points. First, prioritize the word. How do you do that? You don't answer a fool according to their folly. Proverbs 26, verse 4. Proverbs 26, verse 4. says, Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will also be like him. So sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes when you're evangelizing, the person that you're talking to might try, or at least it seems it's intentional, maybe it's not, the Lord knows, but there can be a type of a foolish question that has no seemingly relevance to the gospel that you're sharing. Some of these can be, for example, recently I was talking to somebody and he said, yes, Tom, since you're a Christian, what about the portals and the Arizona desert? They're demon portals. Did you know that there are portals all over the United States that lead to hell? That's what he told me. That's that's news to me. <laughs> Did not know that. Revelation talks about something like that, I think, in one of the chapters. But I didn't know. Is there one in Seattle? There, there must be one in Seattle. And so it was difficult not to get distracted by that. Somebody can always ask, Tom, you know, I... I want to trust Jesus, but what bugs me, the reason why I can't trust Jesus is I, I don't know where Cain got his wife. If you can answer that question for me, then I'll repent and trust Jesus. Did you know that, Tom, that Enoch didn't have a Bible? Enoch didn't have a Bible. And so there can be all kinds of questions like this that just come from, from how do... Do you believe in, in aliens? I've had people ask me that when I'm sharing the gospel. Did Jesus die on the cross for aliens? <laughs> uh, I have no idea. I, I, actually, I do. No. Well, yes. It, it depends how you describe an alien. <laughs> what kind of aliens are you talking about? There are questions that people ask that you cannot allow yourself to get distracted from. You politely say, you know what? I'll be glad to talk to you about that afterwards. But there's a more pressing matter at hand, and that is, if I was to die today, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? Would I go to heaven? Have you had your sins forgiven? What, what are you going to do when, when you meet God? Do you know for certain? Let's talk about that, and then we can talk about those portals that lead to, to hell. Because you might be on one. But first, you try to share the gospel. So you don't answer a fool according to their folly. You, you try to press ahead, press them toward the gospel. But sometimes they keep asking. They keep pestering you. So then you have to answer the fool according to their folly. And it says that in verse 5. 
answer a fool as his folly deserves, that he not be wise in his own eyes. And so sometimes you don't answer a fool according to their folly. Press with the gospel. See if you can keep pressing on. But then, at times, you have to answer a fool according to their folly. In order that you can even share more of the gospel. Uh, for example, I'm sure this has happened to you probably countless times. There's been many times when I've shared the gospel and somebody will say, But Tom, I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. So then, what do you do? You know, I try to, at that moment, just say, God, help, you know, please give me wisdom. And then you can say something, these are just examples, and some of you, if not all of you, can say things even better than this, I'm sure. But I've had when people say, I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God, and I've said, well, that's exactly why you need to hear the gospel. That's why you need a Savior. (laughs) That's a sin. Not to believe in God is sin. So that's why you need to hear the gospel. And then oftentimes you're like, what? <laughs> you know. And then you just share the gospel. I don't take it upon myself that I have to prove God to anybody. Right? Psalm 19 has already said that daily God is what? I am here, I am here. The sun, the moon, the stars, the earth. The whole design of the universe is saying, God is real, God is real, God is real. So I don't take it upon myself that I necessarily have to prove God to, to anybody. Or I've said before, that might work of Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny, right? You can close your eyes and just shake your head and Santa Claus is gone, Easter Bunny is gone. That's not God. God isn't Santa Claus, God isn't Easter Bunny. God is God. And sometimes they want to hear more and other times they just, you know, whatever, and walk off. Fine. I, I don't have to prove God to this person. But it's an opportunity to challenge them. There are times by grace God moves and you can say things like, you know, God doesn't believe in atheists. You know, you can read Romans 1, sir, ma'am. God God doesn't believe in atheists. And the Bible says that everybody believes in God, but they deny his existence and professing to be wise, that they become fools. So I just, with human love... I just want to challenge you that God is not a mythical being where if you say he doesn't exist, that he's gone. He's not a, a, a genie from a, a, a vase. You can't rub him and he, and he pops out or goes back in. That, that's, that's not God. God is real. And there have been times where people have said, prove, prove that God exists to me right now. If you can prove right now to me that God exists, I'll bow on my knees and I will pray to Jesus. Right now, prove to me God exists. I can't do that, but sooner or later, everybody will bow their knee to Jesus Christ. Can you prove right now to me that Alexander the Great exists right now, right this moment? What, you have a story from a historical record? There's more records that Jesus Christ existed than Alexander the Great. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you you believe he was real? Jesus Christ, yes, best man ever. He believed in God and said he was God. So either you're mixed up or you're saying Jesus is a liar because Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and the life. And not all the time, but oftentimes people, they, they're angry at God because God did something that they didn't like. You know, maybe a person died 
Maybe they were abused. And so at that moment, we have to be sensitive. God, give me wisdom. Why isn't this person even acknowledging that you exist? They see all the evil that's in the world, and they say, how can God exist? I've heard that question many times. What do you say? Because the world, have they received God or have they rejected God? They've rejected God. That's why all this wickedness is here. That's why people need to hear the gospel and be saved. These are just some examples I've had, and I referred to it once. I've had more than one person say, because there was a um, a community of witches near Orlando called Casadega, and we used to go there and evangelize. And so you go there and evangelize, and you'd have people say, I'm a Satanist. And then how do you respond to that? Well, you answer fool uh, according to their folly. Praise God. What? What did you say? I said, praise God. Praise God that I'm a Satanist. Yes, praise God. Jesus specializes in saving Satanists. Ephesians 2, 2 says, I walked formerly the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air that now works in the sons of disobedience. Jesus can save you and you can be rescued and redeemed right now. Because all these, not all of them, but many of them are just trying to, you know, they've got the spirit of the world in them. And at that moment, they're trying to intimidate you. You just be quiet and don't say anything about Jesus. And so just politely, with love and gentleness, Jesus specializes in saving atheists, and Jesus Christ, the Lord, specializes in saving witches. Jesus does. He can redeem you. You can be set free from bondage forever. I saw again, and I see this at times, that there's t-shirts that say, I would rather reign in hell than serve in heaven. That's a lie from the pit. And I've had people say that when I've evangelized them. I'd rather reign in hell than serve in heaven. That's a great opportunity. Great opportunity. You know what? Sir, ma'am, with love, I have good news for you. The truth is, you will reign in heaven with Jesus Christ when you trust him. Hell, you're forever be in torment, forever and ever and ever. But in heaven, you'll reign with Christ. If you repent and trust Jesus Christ, you will reign with him forever, the Bible says. Believe the truth and be set free. So, evangelism prioritizes the word, answer the questions, but try to go back to Jesus Christ. Try always to focus on Jesus, get it back to the word, get it back to the gospel. So the whole point of of this sermon, which is longer than I hoped, The whole point of this sermon is, in a sense, don't think advanced evangelism. It's kind of, I'm just trying to get your attention to to cause you to think. There are times when you might think, I might think, I can't evangelize. Because that one person, he's gifted to evangelize. They're so gifted and and they're advanced in it. It's not. But the truth is, it's not about a gift. It's not about all these different people. It's about one person. Jesus Christ. Because he saved you. You have a story to tell. You share the truth of the word, and God will use his word through you to save others. That's the truth. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that all of us, Lord, can evangelize. In some way, we can open up our mouths and speak the truth. Give us courage, Lord, especially during these crazy, wicked times, to be bright lights with our lives, but also with our lips, Lord.
Keep us faithful, Lord. We love you and we praise you. In Christ's name, amen.